Acts 16, we'll start at verse number 9. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please help me. Lord, I would like to speak the truth. I would like to speak it in the way that you would have it spoken. And I ask, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us tonight. It seems as though you have a very particular purpose in this meeting this evening. And I pray, Lord, that I would would help to that end. In Jesus' name, and amen. We have people who have been with us since we opened the doors of our church in February of 1987. We have people that have been with us faithfully for 30 years, 25 years, 20 years. We have a sound room crew. We have a nursery crew. We have a a nursing home ministry crew. We have a jail ministry crew. We have youth workers that you can absolutely count on. Thank the Lord. And then we have the people who come and the people who go and the people who come and the people who go and the people who come and the people who go. And I'm sure we we all deal with that. We all deal with that. Your pastor would probably agree with me that the ministers in our town should hold a banquet for us once a year to thank us for all the contributions that we make to their churches. But before you get too bitter about it, you look at the many people that have come your way from somewhere else, and that's just the day and time in which we live. But the Bible says in Acts 16 and verse number 9, in a vision, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. This vision comes on the heels of verse number 6. When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They were come to Mysia. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Paul is, he's trying to go somewhere and preach the word of God. He's trying to go somewhere and win people to Christ and the Holy Spirit of God won't let him go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Paul Paul hears that commission and he heads into all the world. Holy Spirit, no, no, not there. No, not over there. And then comes this vision. It's Macedonia. The man of Macedonia prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. What we need in the Bible Baptist Church of Deland, Florida, what we need in the city of Deland, what you need in Victory Baptist Church, in Milton Golden Plains Baptist Church, Old Paths Bible Baptist Church, whatever church you represent here tonight, what would change our town? is if all the people who had gotten saved and were sure God wanted them to pass out gospel tracts were still passing out gospel tracts. What would bring revival to our city is if all the people who were once sure God wanted them to knock on doors showed up when we went out door knocking. What would, what would turn the world upside down is if all the people that got saved and said, the Lord wants me to tell my neighbors, my friends, my family, and they set out to do that, were still doing it. The trouble is, in your town, in my town, in all of our towns, our testimony is nullified by the people who witnessed on the job for a year or two and then quit. And two years later, we're back in the world. By people who stood boldly for Jesus Christ right up until the time they slid back to the bar. 
You know, you know that's true. And, and it is a blessing tonight. It's been touched upon several times in this meeting this week. It is a blessing if God has assuredly directed you to teach a Sunday school class, to drive a van and pick up boys and girls and bring them to church, to pastor a church, to go to them. It, it is a great joy to be sure God has called you to do something. But will you be sure throughout the reality of the process? That's, that's the challenge. Brother Carlson touched upon it last evening. That's the challenge. Look in your Bible in verse number 11. Therefore, therefore, because we were sure God called us to preach the gospel to the man of Macedonia, therefore, loosing from Troas, nothing going to hold us here when God wants us there. We came with a straight course. <laughs> we're not turning to the right hand. We're not turning to the left. We're getting as fast as we can. Straight course to Samothracia. Say, is that how you pronounce that? It is tonight. <laughs> and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. So we left what was behind, we got where God wanted us to go as fast as we could, and we went right into the very heart of that place. We were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by riverside where prayer was wont to be made. You know what Paul did? He just found out where religious people were. I don't like these false religions, these cults, and these people go to these liberal churches and these, these sacramental churches and, and these temples and these mosques and everything else. Who, who's, who's got a better chance of getting saved? Somebody who believes in God or somebody who doesn't? Somebody who fears God or somebody who doesn't? Somebody's got a little understanding or somebody with no understanding? Paul went into synagogues. You know why? He got a head start there. Paul went to a riverside prayer meeting. You know why? He got a head start there. Man, don't pick a fight with somebody if you're out witnessing and they say, I'll go to this church or that church. Build on that. You, you got a lot better chance with them than you do an atheist. So, so there's Paul. He's down there by the riverside where the prayer meeting is. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. So it was a resort. <laughs> and, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. So here is a, a successful, hardworking businesswoman. She got some brains about her. She got some spirituality about her. She's having a prayer meeting with some other ladies, and she, she worships uh, God. She just doesn't know the Lord. And when Paul preaches the gospel to her, the Bible says, look, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Lord sent Paul to Philippi. He directs Paul to this riverside prayer meeting. He preaches the word of God. And that not only does this woman get saved, she opens her house to him and provides him with a place of lodging, a home base to work from in that city. Praise God. We went to the mission field and God provided a building. We went to the town and God opened a door right in a downtown shopping center. We got a nice little location there. Praise God, the first week a family came and praise about we are hallelujah. Isn't that a blessing? I'm glad that woman got saved. I'm glad Paul's not sleeping out under the stars. I'm glad he didn't get run out of town the first day he got there. Praise God. Things are going good. Hallelujah. And it came to pass 
As we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She's fortune teller, crystal ball reader, tarot card flipper, palm reader. I might trust them. They didn't all live in single wide trailers and drive beat up cars. <laughs> Anyway, the same followed Paul and us. You'd think she'd know what horse is going to win the fifth race down there at the track. But anyhow, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, let me help you here. You won't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Paul is preaching the gospel. This woman is following Paul around saying, listen to him, he's preaching the gospel. You know what Paul said? I don't need any help preaching the gospel from somebody possessed with a devil. I don't need any help preaching the gospel from somebody living an unclean life. I don't need the endorsement of somebody that's tied to the devil. Amen. We don't need your music world. We don't need your clothing world. We don't need your youth activities world. Even if you agree with us, you're not a help to us. Even if you acknowledge that we preach the same truth you preach, we don't preach it the same way, and we don't live the same way, so you stay over there with your crowd, we'll stay over here with your crowd, unless you want us to let us help get the devil out of you. Amen. I, I, listen, I'm, a, I'm out there giving out tracts. I'm not going to fight with any, anybody that says they're saved in front of other people. I'm out there preaching, and somebody comes by and says, good job, keep it up. I'm not going to say, oh, what church do you go to? I'm not going to accept you out of boy if, if you don't go to the same kind of church I go to. But listen, you want to come in our church and start, so we'll, we'll, we'll do part your way, and you do part our way, and we'll meet one week with you, and you meet one week with us, and you come to our Bible study with your young people, and we'll go to your bikini pool party with your young people not doing it not doing it Paul Paul didn't need her help even though she was agreeing with him okay and just just a little actually you don't like that just you can you can just erase that part we'll, we'll move on but we don't we don't need that so anyway so Paul cast the devil out of this girl praise the Lord isn't that a blessing so he's come to Macedonia and Lydia got saved. Hallelujah. And he's come to Macedonia and he's got a place to live provided for. Hallelujah. And he's come to Macedonia and the power of God has delivered this woman from the devil. Hallelujah. Man, things are going great in this town. Things are going great in your church. Things are going great in your youth program. Things are going great on your mission field. Hallelujah. We're sure God sent us here. Assuredly, assuredly, we're right in the center of God's will. I've been there. You've been there? And when her masters saw the hope of their gains was gone, you know that poor woman walking the street, she's not doing that because she wants to. She's doing that because some man wants her to. That kid peddling that dope, he's not doing that because he wants to. He's doing it because the importer wants him to. A lot of people in this world that you wouldn't give them the gospel and just look down your nose and despise them. Look at how they're living. Look at what they're doing. They're not free. 
They're not at liberty. They're not acting of their own volition. Many of these people need to be delivered, need to be rescued. Amen. All these missing children, they're not just vanishing into thin air. Somebody's taking them captive. God, God, have mercy upon them, ruining their lives. This woman, she got a devil in her, and the man, the man that God sent to the city delivered her from the devil, but there's another deliverance she needs, and that's from her controllers, from her masters, from her owners. Paul's going to have to deal with them. Bible says, in verse number 19, when her masters saw the hope of their gains was gone, she's doing the work, they're making the money. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. And Silas, he's, he's new to this thing. He's thinking, boy, God's going to get us out of this. But Paul's been to a town or two. He's not sure how it's going to go. Brought him to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. All right, so here's point number one, if you're taking notes. <laughs> you know, I, I, did not, I, did not, I did not know that. I should have known this, but I didn't know this. If I was told, I didn't listen. If I was warned, I didn't heed the warning. Did you know that if you obey God and serve God and follow God into the center of God's will and win souls to Christ and deliver people from the devil... God will allow people to tell dirty, filthy lies about you to destroy your reputation. I didn't think God would let that happen. I thought, you ever heard a message like that? I thought if I was serving God, I was going to have this you know, shield of protection around me, and God's going to look out. You know, if his own son was made of no reputation, you think he's going to look out for mine? Exceeding trouble our city, one woman that sells fabric has become a Christian. And one woman that, that reads fortunes and looks in the crystal ball doesn't do it anymore. Exceeding trouble our city? People just lie. People just lie. An hour and a half on a Friday afternoon, we got a group of well-dressed, polite, decent people standing downtown holding scripture signs with two or three words on them out of the Bible, and occasionally somebody will lift up their voice and preach. You would think we were spreading COVID. You would think we were pouring nuclear waste into the water system. Honestly. We got to ban this. We got to outlaw it. We need a free speech zone in a cow pasture somewhere where John Wesley would preach that they're killing all the business downtown. No, everybody's afraid to go downtown because these monster, a bunch of liars. They're just liars. Went to city council meeting and they got all these people, these merchants in there. You know, we're going to try to shut down street preachings. We just bought 150 people with Jesus Save shirts onto the to the meeting. And I, I just I told the city council, I said, we do we do this hour and a half on Friday afternoon. We got enough people. We could do it round the clock. <laughs> we we could do this every day, all day, and after dark. You had not seen exceeding trouble. You've seen a little trouble, not exceeding trouble. You know something, listen, you live in a town, you can live in a town where the 
The dope dealers aren't arrested. The booze peddlers aren't arrested. The prostitutes aren't arrested. The pimps aren't arrested. The gang members aren't arrested. But you preach the gospel in public and you exceedingly trouble the town. And the news media will lie about you and Facebook will lie about you and the other preachers in town will lie about you. You say, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me. It doesn't bother me. It, bother, it, it bothers me. I don't like it. I don't like it. I fret over it. I grieve over it. I aggravate about it. I pray to God about it. He doesn't stop it. Just how it goes. Keep reading. It gets, it's, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither observe being Romans. Name them. What, what, are the, what are these customs this guy Paul is preaching? What are these laws that Paul is urging people to violate? They don't know. They're just making stuff up. They're just lying. They're just posting things on Facebook. They're just telling people they've never met who they think are their friends because they clicked a like button that I left that church because they mistreated me and they were mean to me and they insulted my wife and Brother Carlson said she was fat and, and all this. <laughs> I, I, people ask me that, you, you young men. People ask me, they've said, if, if, God, if God could do one thing for you in, in a ministry, what would you like for him to do? I'd like God to fix it so when people leave church, they can't lie about why they left. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Just tell the truth. But they don't. Oh, well, they got these laws. They got these customs. They're teaching people this. They're teaching people that. They, they, there's a university in our town, and the kids at that university believe that the women go to our church can't. can't. They, they have to wear dresses because I make them, and nobody can have a TV because I won't allow it, and people aren't allowed to get an education because then they would know they're in a cult. <laughs> I said, you know what the proof is that we're not a cult? People leave every week. If we were a cult, you couldn't get out. <laughs> Listen, I, all you young young men, I, I do. I want you to heed Brother Carlson's message from last night. I want you to go into ministry of some kind, whether it's in your church, pastoring a church, go to the mission field. But I'm going to tell you right now. People who call themselves Christians and people who don't call themselves Christians will tell the most awful, nasty, dirty lies about you and God won't stop them. And when that stuff starts happening, you know what? You, know what? you better not forget the assurance you had that God sent you to Philippi to find the man of Macedonia. They were sure before they got to town. They were sure when Lydia got saved. They were sure when the devil got cast out of that woman. I wonder if they're sure now. I wouldn't trade this life for any life. If I ran a restaurant, I bet people would give me bad reviews. If I ran a hardware store, I bet people would lie and say, say I, I was rude to them or I cheated them. That's just how people are. But somehow you kind of expect God's going to protect you from that if you're serving Him. He can't protect you from humanity. That's who people are. It's what they do. Some of you guys worked a job, uh, maybe, maybe McDonald's. We heard about that tonight. 
You know something? You can work side by side with a guy uh, frying those French fries for three years, and you're such a great French fry fryer, and you show up on time every day that when the supervisor crits, they promote you to supervisor. The day you're promoted to supervisor, all your friends hate you. Just, just because now you're the supervisor. Isn't that right? You, you can sit after church and, and badmouth the pastor, but as soon as he retires and makes you the pastor, now you're your lunch. <laughs> Come on, that's not people hating you. That's what people do. That's not the devil attacking you. That's what people do. The devil's attack is when you allow that to rob you of your assurance that God sent you to that town to find that Macedonian man. Amen. Well, preacher, they lied about me. Well, you probably said some things about people. People, they're, preacher, they're gossiping about me. Well, you're here gossiping about them. That's just what people do. People gossip. That's what they do. Well, I'd like to get together sometime and sit at the table at, at one of these meetings and listen to a bunch of preachers talk about the Bible. But they don't. They talk about church members. <laughs> At this table, people talk about the preachers, and at this table, the preachers talk about the church members. And then we come in and sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. <laughs> and nobody's spiritual but Jesus Christ. That, that, we all, some pretend better than others, but he, he's the one. All right, so look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. You know you can beat a man without taking his clothes off? I learned that when I was five years old. <laughs> and six and seven and eight and nine. <laughs> you, know why, you know why they pulled their clothes off of them and then beat them? To humiliate them. To sow shame them that they wouldn't keep doing what they were doing because the people didn't want them doing what they were doing. You know what God's going to allow? It might be inside the church. It might be outside the church. It might be a stranger. It might be a friend. It might be somebody on the internet you've never met. It might be somebody that was your assistant pastor. They're not, they're not just going to leave. They're not just going to try to stop you. They're going to try to humiliate you into, into stopping what you're doing. They're, they're so opposed to God using you to turn people from darkness to light that they would strip you naked and beat you with a whip if it was legal, but it's not, so they'll just use their tongue to do it. Here's what I want to know. When you've been falsely accused, and, and what hurts worse is not people lying about you or lying about your wife. It's that people you thought loved you believe it. You know, the pastor did this and his wife did that. Oh, they did? I can't believe it. But you do. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. It hurts. Are you sure God sent you to that town? Are you sure God told you to start that Sunday school class? Are you sure God gave you that bus route? Are you sure? Well, if you're sure God gave it to you, 
You can't let that stop you. That's it. I'm done with the ministry. I'm going to go do something else. Well, somebody could do something to you there. Somebody say something. Well, bless God, I'm going to get out of the ministry. I'm going to become the president of the United States. People have no idea what you're doing, but they're writing about you. They're telling jokes about you. They're insulting you. They're making little word picture things about you. It wouldn't matter if you were a preacher or the president or the pope. People who disagree with you will try to humiliate you into backing down. Don't forget why you came to town. Don't forget why you came to Philippi. They beat them. Verse 23, when they laid many stripes upon them and cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them. It's not a perp walk. He hurled them. Thrust them. They're beaten. Backs open, bloody, bruised. Throw them, not in prison, in the innermost prison. Let me help you guys. It's not air-conditioned. It doesn't have plumbing. It doesn't have ventilation. They're in the very back of this dirty, filthy, smelly, disease-ridden, nasty place for preaching the Word of God. Why are they beaten? Somebody lied about them. Why are they in prison? Somebody lied about them. Say, why didn't God stop it? Because God sent them to Macedonia to win a man of Macedonia who needed their help. That's why God sent them. He didn't send them there to become the mayor. He didn't send them there to become the most popular person in the city. He sent them there to find a man of Macedonia who needed help. So there they are. Made their feet fast in the stocks. Those wounds... They're sitting in the filth. Their feet are chained to the floor. They can't move. I don't know if you could even imagine that kind of pain. I hope you've never felt that kind of pain. But there they are. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Which means they're not praying silently. They're not praying softly. They're praying loud enough for everybody in the prison house to hear them. Oh God, thank you for sending us to this city to tell these people that Christ died for their sins and was buried and rose again so they could be saved. Thank you God for saving Lydia. Thank you God for getting the devil out of that poor girl. And God, whoever that man of Macedonia is, we pray you'd save his soul. And then they begin to sing. Praises to God, praises to the Lord, but they've been lied about. But what Jesus has done for them is greater. Come on. But they've been falsely accused. But what Jesus has done for them is greater. But people have believed a bad report about But what Jesus has done for them is greater. But they've been humiliated. But what Jesus has done for them is greater. And they're singing. What a difference between these two men and the two men we saw Monday, uh, Wednesday night. 
And the prisoners heard them. You know what those prisoners are hearing? Something that's not heard in a prison. Somebody's praying to God, but they're not praying to get out. Somebody's making noise, but they're not complaining that I've been framed. Somebody's singing, but they're not singing a sad song about their ball and chain. Those prisoners have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. In the dark midnight of a prison house, two men have spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. That is not your run-of-the-mill earthquake. An earthquake that breaks shackles? An earthquake that, that opens the doors of prison cells? And the keeper of the prison waking out of his sleep, <laughs> seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. He'd be tortured to death if the prisoners were gone, supposing the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Whatever those men heard in that prison when Paul and Silas prayed made them willing to stay in jail when the door is open to leave. Made them willing to wait around and find out what they had when they could have escaped and made a run for it. That's pretty amazing. You know what your call is, brother? Brother Carlson's already preached it. Your call is not just take up a Sunday school class. Sister, your call is not just start working with those boys and girls. Your, your call is not just to start that nursing home ministry that's so needed, that jail ministry, that bus ministry, maybe that pastorate, maybe that new church, maybe that trip to the mission field. You know what your job is? Your job is to pray and to sing and to preach so the world says after all they've done to them, they're still happy. After all they've been through, they're still praising in God I don't have anything like that wherever I could go if I fled this prison I wouldn't find whatever those two guys have got I'm going to stay right You're, God is not going to put you in a town in a pulpit in front of a group of people anywhere to sing a happy song in the sunshine, he's going to put you there to keep singing that song when the night falls, when your back is beaten, when you're naked and humiliated, when you're lied about and brokenhearted, and people look at that and say, I don't have anything like that. You know what Paul and Silas did? They remembered why they came to town. They didn't come to town to be the mayor. They didn't come to town to live in a palace. They came to town to find a Macedonian man that needed help. The Bible says in verse number 28, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light. And who could blame a man for wanting a cigarette at a time like that? Is it, is it? <laughs> That's all some of you remember out of the whole... <laughs> If you're taking notes, <laughs> there's several references to smoking in the Bible. 
Uh, Rachel lighted off her camel. That's, a, that's, that's, a, that's in Genesis. I better move on. He, <laughs> he called for a light and sp- I can't get past it. <laughs> The wicked shall feed upon ashes, the Bible says. <laughs> he called for a light and sprang in, came trembling. Who did? A man of Macedonia. You see, they, they found Lydia and she got saved, but that wasn't the assured call. They found that girl and cast the devil out of her, but that wasn't the assured call. So when the lies came and the false accusations came and the, and the stripped naked came and the beating came and the cast into the miry prison came and the midnight came, they were still sure that God had sent them to Macedonia to find a man that needed help. And they didn't go to him. He came to them. He came, sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> you know what? They preached, and nobody asked that question. They proclaimed the word of God, and nobody asked that question. They, they, they spoke the truth at a prayer meeting. You don't read anybody asking that question. They stood before the council of the town, and nobody asked that question. But as they sang and prayed, chained to the floor with their backs beaten in the middle of the night in a dark, filthy prison, a man of Macedonia came and said, how do I get that? Whatever that is, I want it right now. Brother, anybody can preach. Anybody can lead people. Anybody can have a ministry as long as you're getting gift cards and meal tickets and taken out to lunch and patted on the back and birthday cards and the church is growing and people are getting saved. But when you sing the same song the week after that split, when you got the same joy the month after all those people go out and start lying about you, That's attractive to lost people because they don't have anything like that. They got nothing like it. Everybody can be happy when they're happy. But who can be happy when the whole world's gone wrong? Paul, Silas. You know why? They didn't forget why they came to town. Don't forget why you came. What must I do to be saved? And they said... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now, now stop for a minute. Come back, to, come back to verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Us. And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. 
And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. <laughs> Why'd you come? Why'd you come to the pastor and say, I'll take that class? Why'd you come to the pastor and say, there's a nursing home in town that doesn't have a, a, a Sunday afternoon service? Why'd you come to the pastor and say, there's a juvenile detention center. I'll go there every Saturday afternoon. Why'd you come to the pastor? Did you come there because you wanted to win souls to Christ and get honor and glory to your name? Or did you come because you wanted to win souls to Christ? Well, it may be the way to win those souls to Christ is for the Lord to take away the honor and the glory of your name so you stop proclaiming you and Jesus. And it's just Him. It's just Him. I don't like being humbled. I don't like being humiliated. I don't like being lied about. I don't like people believing it. I don't like living in a town that thinks somehow I'm an enemy. I've told that city council so many times. That's where I met Jake and Catherine at one of those meetings. I've told that city council so many times. I said, if everybody in this town came to our church and believed what I preached, you wouldn't need police, you wouldn't need jails, you wouldn't need rehab centers, you wouldn't need wife-beaten centers, you wouldn't need drug rehabs, you wouldn't need drunk tanks. I'm not the enemy. Gospel's not the enemy. But you know what? The town doesn't need me. Your town doesn't need you. It needs Jesus Christ. And the Lord just might have to reduce those of us who know Jesus Christ to nothing so that Jesus Christ is what they see. Don't forget why you came. Of course your heart is broken. Of course you're disappointed. Of course you feel betrayed. Of course you're humiliated. Nobody likes that. But keep praying loud. Keep singing loud. The man got saved. The man who asked for help. And his house. The people he asked help for. Can I show you something? This, this really, the Bible is just such an amazing book. Look at verse 35. When it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. So they reviewed the case, they looked at the evidence, everything calmed down and settled down, and they realized they didn't violate the law, it was a lie. They didn't cause trouble in the city, it was a lie. They didn't deserve to be beaten, we made a mistake. They sure didn't deserve to be in prison. Well, why didn't God tell them that the previous afternoon instead of the next morning? Because there's a man in prison that wants help. Isn't that amazing? It, it, if you read the whole story, it looks like the only reason they went through all of that was to get to that man. So here's going to be your challenge. You heard the messages earlier in the week and you said, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give myself to serve God and I'm going to set out and start out and do something for God and I'm going to see it through and I'm going to finish it. Okay, so here's, here's the challenge. If you are sure tonight that God wants you to do something for Him, will you be sure when everything goes wrong? 
Will you be sure when the whole thing unravels and falls apart and your heart is broken and your wife is confused and your children are, are, are unsettled by what's happening and Christians are doing it, Will you look at those stocks on your feet and feel that pain in your back and that humiliation in your heart and pray loudly and sing enthusiastically because you know God sent you to this town to win somebody to Christ and you haven't won him yet, so we're going to keep going. And if Acts 16 is true as it's written, and I believe it is, they went through all of that to get to that guy. And brother, sister, as, as tough as it is, if you could just find it in your heart to say, if I'm going through all this, to see a man and his family saved and baptized and on their way to heaven, I'm not going to forget why I came to town. Heavenly Father, help